My name is Shirley May, and this is Complacency is Death, an honest look at the future of theater. Yeah, no, I'm just going to ask you some questions about how you're dealing with COVID and how it's like affecting you as a theater artist and as a teacher, because I think that it's really important to hear teachers out now more than ever, because um, I know my sister, who is also a teacher, however she teaches high school, um, her life has been crazy. So um, we'll go ahead and dive in. Great. Uh, so are you doing just in-person classes? Or are you doing online or a mix of both? The short answer would be a mix of both. The longer answer is I'm doing high flex. Have you heard of this? Um, I've heard of something that I think will probably be like it, but you can go ahead and explain it just to make sure that I understand it. Sure. I hadn't heard of it till like two months ago. Hybrid makes sense. Like hybrid is a mix of two things. High flex is a term that might have been made up by LSU online. I went to a bunch of webinars about it to learn about it this summer. Yeah. It essentially is offering students, giving students the option. If students feel safe coming in, if they feel comfortable coming in for in-person classes, then delivering content as usual in person. Okay. Also giving every student the option that if they want to do everything online for any reason, whether for their health or if they're living in a household where someone is immune compromised, to give them the option to have all the content for the class online. Okay. And also having the hybrid option. So that makes it more flexible for students if they feel comfortable coming in, but then they are exposed to COVID and they have to quarantine, that all the content is still available online. So it's triple preparing for every class. Yes. An online model, an in-person model, and a blend of both. I was just about to say that seems like so much work. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I've been seeing more and more, um, especially with younger students who are like in elementary and all that kind of stuff, sort of models where um, they have like A days and B days. And so A students will only go on their days and B students will only go on their days just to help keep numbers down of people near each other. But uh yeah, no, that, that right. sounds pretty crazy. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a lot to deal with, but when I think about how stressful it is, I think about the reasons why I'm doing it, and I want to give the students all those options, because yeah. of course there's a million reasons students might not feel safe or be able to come in, and then there are a lot of reasons where students want to come in. Like, yeah. students want to be with each other, they want to be in person, so I want to offer that for as, at least as long as we're allowed to. Yeah, no, for sure, and then like, yeah, I think that's going to segue great into another question I have for later. Um, but uh, yeah, that's really interesting. So um, how else has the pandemic affected how you're teaching, like in general? It's a big question. So yeah, part of it is how we prepare and how we present. And I've never taught online before. So that's yeah. totally new to me, except, you know, in March when they immediately told us suddenly we had to go remote. I figured out how to finish my classes remote, but I already yeah. started all of them in person. So teaching online is one big change. Another humongous change is really thinking about the philosophy of what am I preparing students for? Because the whole scape of our industry has changed. The whole scope yes. of so many industries has changed. And so the things that I've just said over and over again, like, well, when you get into the real world, well, well when you work at a theater next summer, I don't know that those things are true anymore. I don't know what the real world will look like when these students graduate, whether they graduate in the spring or even if they have another year of school. And I don't 
know what summer theater is going to look like next summer. So part of what we have to shift is what we're really figuring out and preparing for and investigating. And so with production, like I manage the costume shop and work on productions and I teach yeah. a practicum course where students work on productions. And that's usually practical experience that prepares them for, you know, I put real world in air quotes because yeah. college is real, the real world, world ready, you know? Yeah. Like prof the professional world, I guess, as opposed to the college theater world. Yeah. Um, so what practicum looks like this semester is a bit different too because we're only we as a school of theater decided to only do one production okay it's going to be streamed online somehow we're still looking into obs and twitch and how yeah. to integrate zoom but we're and we gave ourselves more time because we knew that would be more time more to figure out so usually we're hustling to build costumes for the current production but our current production won't open till november and we're not sure if it's going to be actors in their homes wearing their own clothes or actors in a space wearing clothes that we buy and mail to them so yeah, yeah. i guess that's a lot of responses to the question of like how is it changing everything like theater is changing like theater isn't yeah. people in a rehearsal room putting on a show for a live audience anymore. Theater is becoming so many more things and we have to figure out what those things are. Oh my God, that's amazing. Yeah, no, I hadn't even thought of that. I hadn't even thought about like how, if they are going, if, cause I've been talking to some other like theater companies and like just seeing my other theater people like doing theater right now. Like some people are doing stuff entirely over Zoom, like entirely rehearsals, auditions, everything over Zoom. And then some people are like still getting together socially distanced rehearsals. But like, yeah, I hadn't even thought about like physical aspects of how coordinating a production might even go. Yeah. Um, a lot. Geez. Man, that's crazy. It's a lot. Yeah. And it it's kind of exciting. It's stressful and exciting at the same time, which is, I mean, what theater is anyway, stressful and exciting. Yeah. And part of what's exciting is that there isn't just one answer. There's not just one right way to do it. Like, this is the formula. This is what we're going to do. This is what everyone's going to do. Everyone's yeah, no. going to do different things. There's all kinds of different possible ways to approach it. Yeah, no, there's entire, it's, it's the same thing as if, like, you gave a small production company or an independent theater producer who has a very small budget, a show versus like a Broadway West End production company. Like how yeah. are how are different price points of theater approaching this? And um, that's something that I actually am going to be talking about later this season in the podcast is how I think theater will be affected if theater becomes something that's exclusively for people who can afford to produce it. And like, cause that's something that terrifies me as a theater director is that I can't afford to produce my own shows. And so how does it look when it becomes something that's just for upper class? But how is that different than what it is already? Oh is man, already that's, and that's so true because um, in my last episode, I talked about performative action in everyday life and how um, every single day, like we, have to put on a face and how theater like will teach you how to be a better manager. It'll teach you how to be a better coworker. It'll teach you how to express your feelings more accurately. And yeah, like I'm just so scared that it's going to get even worse than it already is. Cause now, um, lower, as you know, lower income people and disenfranchised people, especially in the United States already have such limited access to the arts because of how expensive it is to participate. And so like, I don't even know how it's going to get even worse. And it's such a scary 
thought, <laughs> you know? Can I give you a counterpoint to that? Yes. It, it's valid. Your fears are valid. It is scary. And I think about that often, but I think that the reverse of it is also true. Like yeah. as like Broadway shows become less accessible because yes. they're expensive, still like no one can stop us from getting together with our friends and telling stories. No one yeah. can ever stop us from that. No one can stop anyone of any class level, any income level. No one can stop them from communicating with their friends in some way. So that's going to happen. We're going to figure out how to do that at all levels. And yeah. if the divide just becomes greater, then the divide will become greater. And I think that means there'll be more things happening at the grassroots level too. There'll be more things happening that people can create, that we can create ourselves. I definitely agree with that because I think that now, since theater is having to downscale so much in order to create accessibility, since everyone's uh, having to socially distance and there's mass mandates in multiple states, like just trying to figure out how to navigate in a global pandemic. And I was doing research on how it was going with the Spanish flu. And uh, obviously theater was still happening. People still crave artistic entertainment. Um, you just have to meet people where they're at. and. So that's actually where this podcast came from. Like, I can't really do theater right now. I can't afford to like put myself at risk even more than I'm putting myself at risk working in a retail job. So I was just like, I can't just not do anything. So what am I gonna do? And that's where this podcast came from. Cause I was just like, if I don't do something, I'm gonna go crazy. <laughs> yeah. So how are your students adapting to all the changes? I can tell that it's chaotic and I've apologized to them multiple times for the chaos, but overall they are accepting of the chaos. Yeah. And that's something that I've always found true of teaching in general. The more authentic and honest and transparent I can be with the students about things that I'm struggling with. And that, I mean, that's true of any relationship with anybody. The more authentic and honest you are, the more they're willing to un be understanding and patient. Yeah. And so that now is no different. Um, like you said that about your friend who is or your sister that's breaking the the class up into groups i'm also yeah. doing that with my classes and it's been so confusing for me and for the students as well like i most of my classes meet two times a week and so i made a tuesday in-person group a thursday in-person group and an online only group and my vision is that the tuesday group comes in on tuesdays and then on thursdays joins the zoom but it, it okay. took me a while to really clearly communicate that to the students because yeah. I think the first week, the Tuesday group thought, okay, I only come in on Tuesdays and then do nothing else. But then they were missing stuff because they weren't coming to the Zoom. Yeah. So I think we're about to hit our stride. And then, of course, this fall, we were delayed in hitting our stride because of the hurricane. Yeah. Hurricanes, multiple hurricanes. Yeah. So it, just like any semester, it takes a while to hit your stride and for everyone to understand where everyone is coming from. Like... I, I get the sense from my students that that's happening now. And I have been finding that my students, I mean, as with every semester, some of them seem more comfortable approaching me outside of class and some I need to reach out to. Yeah. This morning I met with a student who had emailed me last week that she's so scared that she's going to fail the semester. I don't, we're like three weeks in. How do you know if you're going to fail the semester? Yeah. And it's just, she's doing everything online and trying to balance and trying to see the whole scale of what's ahead of her she felt really overwhelmed and I met with her for 20 minutes and I talked her through what's ahead of her and what to expect. And she said, after talking one-on-one -on, -one on zoom like this, she said, okay, now I get it. 
I feel much better. And that's like a conversation we could have had in the hall after class, but there is no hall after class. Yeah. So I'm really grateful that that student reached out to me and I hope that more students reach out if they do feel like, oh, I have a question that I don't want to ask in the middle of class in front of everyone else. Um, because like students need their fears to be subsided, you know? Yeah. It's a scary time for everybody, definitely. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so you were saying that LSU is going to be doing only one show. How many shows do you guys normally do in your season? A lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, we usually do two LSU main stage productions a year, two Swine Palace shows, which is our professional affiliate. Mm-hmm. We do a number of lab shows, which are student-produced shows, which we are actually doing a few student shows this semester, but I'm not sure of their timeline. Yeah. And we do a number of dance and physical theater productions, um, sometimes in the fall, sometimes in the spring. And sometimes here and there, like a, last year we did a children's theater show on top of all that. So it's, it's not um, really uniform what we do, but it's definitely yeah. more than one a semester. More than one, yeah. And, and also they let us know like a lot of the stuff that we were going to do in the fall, we pushed to the spring, but it's just penciled in in the calendar because yeah. we don't know what spring's going to hold. Yeah, no, for sure. Like I, I've been seeing so many articles popping up lately that experts have been saying that we can't expect any sort of real development until the end of 2021. Mm-hmm. And um, like, obviously everyone wants to like keep moving on and like they want to keep going with their life. And people are worried about like the economy crashing because people can't work, but obviously people can't work if they're dead either. So I right. mean, what's the point of being worried about people staying home if I'd rather people be at home and not dead. (laughs) Exactly. And I think that's something interesting with higher education and maybe specifically LSU is that we, you know, we talked in the spring as a faculty and we talked throughout the summer and we weren't sure what enrollment was going to look like in the fall. And our enrollment numbers are actually way up. We have more incoming students that are first years this year than we usually have. We have, I think, 70 theater majors in their first year. We usually have 30. Yeah. So there are students that want to come to school, whether they want to be here in person or they want to do everything online. Um, but but school hasn't stopped. They, I was worried that that might be a thing that people are like, I don't want to invest in school right now because the future is so uncertain. But students are still choosing to invest in school. So that's something. Yeah. And I mean, that is the the trade-off, because even now, um, I'm in the process of planning a big move. I'm going to be um, moving to Florida at the beginning of this upcoming year, and it's, it's something I, I know. I'm so excited. It's something that I've been looking forward to, and it's something that me and my fiance have been planning, and we pushed it back, and now we're kind of back on track, but everything's super uncertain, but like, we're trying to figure out what's the best way to do this as safe as possible, and so obviously, I can't move everything virtually, so... <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna we're gonna have to figure out how it's gonna be like crossing state lines. Like some places, they have quarantines, uh, like quarantine statutes in place. Like at one point, if you were from Louisiana or New York and you crossed over into the Florida state line, you had to stop and you uh, you they were screening everyone who was coming in and you had to quarantine for 14 days after you got there. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think that's smart. Um, we're personally, we're going to be getting tested for COVID before we go and we're getting tested when we get back. And um, like, that's all we can really think to do. And whew, life is yeah. scary right now and changes really still scary. need to happen. 
Yeah, but it's really truly all you can do is all you can. Like, don't touch your face, wash your hands, wear a mask. My little brother lives in Florida and I visited him twice this summer. Um, and it was after that restriction. So I had no problem driving between Louisiana and Florida. Yeah. Well, that's good. That get, that makes me feel a little better. We're going next month and uh, we're going to be- What part of Florida are you moving to? We're going to be moving to the Orlando area. That's so exciting. I, I taught in Central Florida for a number of years. Orlando is great. Yeah, no, oh, I love it so much. Like we've both lived in that area before. Uh, we actually want to move down there. The reason we were looking at it is to try to boost my theater career because the theater scene is very experimental down there. And I feel like there's a lot of opportunity for young theater artists. And I hope that there still will be. And I'm especially hoping that um, the fringe theater scene is not going to go away anytime soon so that when all this is over, fringe theater will still be a thing because it's something that I'm really interested in doing. So. I think it will because that's that's the the level of people getting together with their friends and telling stories. Like the Orlando yeah. Fringe Festival, that's all kinds of misfits and weirdos that are going to figure out how to be misfits and weirdos. I don't think that's going anywhere. Yeah, no, for sure. Oh, gosh. All right, let me see what else I have on my thing. Um... So they're looking at doing exclusively virtual, like no live shows whatsoever? For this semester, yeah, that's the plan. We're going to do small mouth sounds on Zoom through OBS at this point, still in development. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm going to have to look more into that because, like, uh, I've seen... I've already seen a production. I saw a production of She Kills Monsters that was done completely virtually and it they didn't really have much going on technically, but it was interesting to watch. <laughs> Did, was that the one from um, University of Pittsburgh? No, it was actually uh, done by a production company that my friend runs out of Naples, oh. Florida. Oh, cool. Yeah. And um, I know for sure that theater at Southeastern, uh, they're starting to gear back up a little bit. They're starting to get back into it. I've sort of separated myself from their theater scene a little bit after I graduated, but uh, it's nice to see that even at smaller universities, they're still trying to make things work because, I mean, even at a university where we don't even have really a degree, students are still paying to get that education and trying to get the experience that productions offer because it's a valuable learning experience really seeing productions happen firsthand and uh, what is southeastern doing are they doing in-person theater i actually don't know i haven't uh, gotten to like really sit down and talk with someone who's involved with southeastern yet but i'm hoping to maybe um email one of them sometime this week to get some input on what they're doing because i know that um they were planning on doing some stuff but now it's not really sure what's going on and then their chapter of alpha psi omega is definitely doing something and then the columbia theater that's associated with southeastern is going to be picking up some things in their season and so yeah i just need to reach out to everyone and see what they're doing (laughs) yeah lsu the plan right now is one show um all virtual for the fall and then penciled in for the spring, we're going to do the wolves in person, ideally, and we're going to do a workshop production that will plan and do all the planning in the spring and then perform in the fall. And we hope to do some kind of dance and physical theater, which again is ideally in person in real life, but we need to figure out how to do it virtually. We're gonna figure that out. Yeah, and I mean, that's so great. That that makes me so relieved to hear. 
just knowing that students are still getting what they need from institutions because especially like in the south it seems that a lot of our universities are like um, football teams that have education as a side gig and so it it really makes me happy hearing that these institutions are really trying to take care of the people that are paying them a lot of money to go there and they're still getting what they need. <laughs> so I'm really proud of that too. One of the groups I was involved in this summer was the LSU College of Music and Dramatic Arts Innovation Committee, which was a group of professors from the music faculty and the theater faculty to get together and talk about like, what do we need? What can we make happen? And the needs for the music department were a lot of things like, every student needs a piano keyboard. Every student needs a microphone. We can't teach voice appropriately without a microphone. Yeah. And the need for theater, like, all right, we can get by without keyboards and microphones, but definitely every student needs access to technology. Every student needs access to Wi-Fi. Every student needs access to a computer or a phone and a space to get on Wi-Fi. And so we really worked to figure out how to make that accessible to all students because every student is coming from a different background yeah. um, and we did research and provided resources that are lists of like all the libraries in Louisiana that are broadcasting Wi-Fi into their parking lots and they set up an online form for students that don't have technology to apply to rent a laptop for the semester um, so to make sure that everyone has the needs to get the education that they want yeah that's pretty neat yeah I think what else I have the point about football too is that's where my fear comes in you know our first game is going to be on the 26th and I'm really crossing my fingers that it doesn't cause a spike in numbers and cause us to go all remote again yeah yeah that's that's a really big one especially because of course we live in the south and they love their football and like I I don't want to deprive them of something that brings them joy like obviously the Saints are like professional football is still happening they're just all sort of quarantining and then um, having empty stadiums to play and I think that that's a great way to go about I mean they're still making whatever money they need to make in order to pay their people and so I I agree. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, sports are interesting to look at as a model for theater, and they have been throughout all of this, like as the NBA and the um, and the MLB decided how they were going to get back together, and 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 even hockey, like how different sports decided they were going to approach it, whether they're going to create a bubble or have no fans, and like it's a matter of resources. Like professional sports teams have a ton of money, and they're able to create a bubble. And yeah at college level sports i mean there's a lot of money in college sports but they're not putting that same kind of money into it like yeah be a bubble where all of the sports players and their families can stay safely they're yeah. still gonna go to classes yep a lot of them still have like jobs yeah. and lives outside school and sports exactly and, yeah oof and like lsu is not doing an empty stadium we're doing a reduced capacity stadium Ooh, all right. That, <laughs> yeah. So that, that seems yeah. like a really awful idea. That's a take a deep breath, but that's a take a deep breath. And like, there's nothing I can do about that. Like I can't change the yeah. decisions they're going to make about that. That's really been an exercise in what can I change? What do I have agency over? What can I do in my classes to make sure my students get all the supplies they need and all the hands-on training while we can still 
meet together hands-on and then if we have to go remote at least we've met at least they all have scissors and sewing needles and rulers that they can take home and we can yeah. meet via zoom if we have to yeah no for sure like i've been trying to foster a really like accepting and understanding workplace culture right now um because uh, everyone was furloughed for a long time and then we started bringing people back, but obviously it's retail. We're interacting with people every single day. And so um, we have all sorts of medical questions that we ask people every day it's as like a preliminary check. We have to do temperature checks. And so I, anytime someone's just like, man, I'm just super burnt out and stressed out right now. And I'm just like, I know, I totally get it. Like it is 10,000% understandable that you're stressed out and worried about what's happening and whether or not you're coming to work every day to get sick or whatever. I completely understand. But like, if there's anything that I can do to like help ease <clears throat> what they're feeling, I try my best to like let everyone know that I appreciate that they're there, that I appreciate that they're still like dedicated to their job and that they're showing up. Cause all in all, if these people didn't feel appreciated, they wouldn't come, they wouldn't bother. Cause exactly. who wants to face um, this virus just to sell some things? <laughs> no one. Yeah. And I think that that perspective is one thing that's kind of, I mean, I don't, not really a silver lining, but like a, maybe a silver lining of everything that's going on is everyone is forced to reckon with themselves and what's important to them and who are we and what do we value and how much do we value that? Like yeah. everyone, like this has given us the opportunity to really face that and think about it. For sure. I think so too. And um, it just, it just scares me because there's so many people that I do know personally who have been complaining every step of the way, like fighting mask mandates and social distancing guidelines and saying that it doesn't matter because people are gonna die anyway. And I'm just like, how can you be so callous yeah. when the history of humanity has depended on us, like helping each other in times of great stress? You're right, it's scary. <laughs> oh man, I just hope that we'll all get through this together and come out a better, like, species in the end because I don't know what I'm gonna do if we wind up any worse off than we already are. Yeah I hope that too. <laughs> well and that kind of leads to another point of everything that happened this summer with Black Lives Matter yes. and all the attention and focus that that has gotten. I'm glad that that's I'm glad that that is getting attention and focus and I'm glad that so many groups are putting together equity, diversity, and inclusion task forces and like like I said about reflecting on our values, like choosing to reflect on how are we acting in accordance with our values? How are we valuing all of our students, all of our participants? Like, how are we making space for everyone and listening to everyone's stories? At least yeah. we're asking those questions. Yeah, no, for sure. Like, I can't even imagine, like, in the midst of all of this, also having to deal with like racial inequality because obviously it's not like they can wake up and choose not to be a person of color that day and so like waking up having to face that in the middle of this pandemic where you're already disenfranchised as a citizen and knowing that it's probably got to get worse before it gets better and obviously this is something that they've been dealing with their entire life and this is something that has been going on for such a long time that some people are just like it'll get better when it gets better but I'm so happy to see people like standing up and like rallying together and saying like we cannot do this anymore we cannot stand this anymore like 
we need to be treating black indigenous people of color they deserve to be treated they need to i more than anything it breaks my heart that such a large amount of people in our country especially feel unsafe every single day like it breaks my heart so much like if i could take every single bit of that and just tuck it away somewhere never to be seen again i would but like i've just had so much heartache over it and i've been i i've gone to some protests and i'm trying to do what i can to help support causes and like not put my voice over others and make sure that their struggles are the front and center of anything that i share in regards to it because ultimately like my voice my voice matters and the fact that i'm speaking up but at the same time it doesn't matter because i'm not the one who is experiencing it, you know yeah yeah deferring to lived experiences absolutely yes thank you <laughs> yeah And it's like, it seems overwhelming, but it's worth chipping away at. It's worth figuring out what agency we do have in our, in our communities and what positive action could take. Yeah, I agree. And I'm, I'm also interested to see how the future of theater will evolve from this uprise of, uh, of like people banding together because there's lots of, there's a really rich history of social movements and actions in theater and using theater as a tool for social change. And so, gosh, I'm just, it makes me really excited thinking about all the things that are going to come from this being a thing. Yeah, theater has a legacy of social change and simultaneously theater has a legacy of doing things the way we do them because that's just how we've always done it. And now is really the time to put those things to question and question how accessible those are to everybody and how we could make it more accessible to everyone. Oh my gosh, I, I, ooh, that, that hits really deep with me uh, because, uh, Another thing that I'm going to be talking about is how unpaid or low-paid art internships are really ultimately going to be the death of our industry. Like, gotta go. They can't it's, happen anymore. It's such a classist thing, and oh, I'm not going to go super in depth to it because I know I have an episode coming up about it. But oh my gosh, that just hits so so at heart with me, and I'm so happy to hear other people say it. Oh yeah. It's been a part of a lot of the conversations I've had this summer with LSU and with SETC and with USITT and all kinds of different intersections of theater communities. Yeah, unpaid internships is a big one. And even like the schedules that we keep and maintain and how we work ourselves to the bone and we work 18 hour days and we do 10 out of 12 days all week for tech. Like why? Just because we've always done it? Yeah, no. We don't have to keep doing these things this way just because someone had, just because some person at the top was just like, oh, I had to suffer and I had to go through all this and I had to starve in New York City for three years. You have to, too. And I'm just like, no, we don't. We really don't. <laughs> don't yeah, have don't to do have this to. anymore. This can really be a chance to reset and to look at everything and why we do things the way we do them. And like when theater comes back, it doesn't have to be business as usual, back to normal. It can be better. Yeah. And I think that having these hard and very important conversations is going to open the door for an entire like generation of artists to have access to things that they would have never had before. And because especially with acting so much, like every once in a while, 
you'll hear a story about a lower income person, usually black indigenous person of color, who is a really great actor, but they have had no training. And so they had struggled their entire career just to get somewhere. And then they were finally recognized by somebody and they helped them. But like, why does it have to be that way? Why can't everyone just have access to these resources and classes and learning tools that someone who whose parents are filthy rich would have like it just doesn't make any sense to deprive an entire part of our our society of of this art absolutely yeah totally and then like it it extends even further to how we uh consume art like like you were saying how big theater production companies are having to scale down in size like no one would have ever thought when Hamilton first came out that it would be on Disney Plus available for like everyone to be able to watch but here it is and people have been able to watch it and imagine that people have still made lots of money from it being on Disney Plus mm-hmm. and I think that it theater being accessible via streaming services is definitely going to be a big part of our future. Like, but it'll still be the difference between um, live theater via streaming or via video recording versus a movie where they can like retake and retake and retake. Like, there's still going to be that that genuine expression of emotion that you just can't get when you have a chance to do it 10 million times over again before you get it right. That's a really interesting way to put it, that that becomes a genuine expression of emotion. In the conversations we've been having about our fall uh, digital online production, we often circle around in the conversation to like, are we just making a film? Like, what are we, like, why aren't we, what's the difference? Like, why don't we just make small mouth sounds the film? And the difference is that, like the immediacy, the urgency, the, the, the presence of being in a space with an actor when the actor is doing something. And so that's what we're going to continue to strive to figure out is how to make that happen in, in a place where we're not all in the same room. Because yeah. those are the things that are, are important about it. Oh my gosh, like when you're, when you're getting to a really, really tense moment in a play and the air gets sucked out of the room, like that's such a tangible moment of part of interactive experience. And I, I don't think that that can be reproduced in film. I've personally never seen a film that has reproduced such a tangible sort of tension the way that live theater does. I've heard, I've had that conversation too, where it's just like, oh, well, I might as well just go into film now. I guess that's what we're going to do. Instead of theaters, we're just going to go into film. And I'm just like, no, it's not the same. And I refuse to get off my high horse and go down there and retake this thing 20 times until I get it right. We're going to practice until we get it right. And then we'll let people see. They're really different animals. They're similar, but different. Like film has its merits, but it's really a different thing. And like that moment you describe of like the feeling the air in the room, it's exciting to figure out how, what, what does that look like when we're not all in the room? Like how can we connect with each other as audience members? How can performers connect with audience members? And some of it goes back to those things about like what we've always taught about theater etiquette like how you're supposed to behave in a theater like why have we taught those things why are you supposed to behave a certain way in a theater like just because we've always done it well maybe that goes out the window now too maybe get out your phone text your friends while you're all watching the same zoom theater like tweet about it maybe get in the chat and talk to other people that are watching the same thing that you are while you're watching it yeah no i i personally love doing live reaction tweets like i'll start binging a show and i'll be like okay we're diving into season two today and here's gonna be my live reactions let's go and 
I really enjoy sharing that experience. And I think that's a big part of why theater is such a huge experience is because it's shared not only with the actors on stage, not only with everyone who has made this production happen, but the people who you are watching it with. Especially because theater does have that sort of spontaneous element to it where things could change at the drop of a hat, where suddenly a prop breaks in the middle of a show. And Maybe. so the actors are going to have to improvise. Like, I, I just feel like the spontaneity of theater is going to be what makes it still worth watching, even if it's on some sort of virtual viewing service. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, I think that's everything that I had. If there's anything else that you want to input, I'm more than willing to like keep talking and seeing what we can hash out. But that's everything that I had. Another thing that I'm excited and interested about for the future, I mean, the rise of podcasts for one, figuring out ways of creative expression, but I'm really involved in SCTC and I've been yes. really involved in figuring out what's the future of SCTC, how can we contribute, how can we like continue our mission of connecting people to opportunities yeah. and what, what does that even look like now and how does that change and evolve as the world is changing and evolving? What are your thoughts on that? What, how do you think that SCTC could fill that? How should SCTC evolve? Um, I definitely like the approach that they're taking right now where they're going to have like mostly virtual things and maybe some in-person things. I definitely think that that's a really good way to make that happen. Um, I am not sure if this is a good idea or a bad idea, but my first instinct would to be like have specific days geared toward certain parts of theaters. So be like, mm -hmm. okay, this day is specifically for directors and all of our programming for directors is going to be on this day and like so on and so forth. So I don't know if that's a good idea because we'll have less people in one space or if it's a bad idea because all the stage managers will be in one place at one time. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. That's my that's my gut instinct. But I definitely think that um, last year I was added to a Google Drive for young female directors and people will just randomly pop up on there and be like, oh, I found this uh, fellowship or I found this resource and I thought this book was really cool and I think you guys should read it. And I think that like sharing services like Google Drive and Zoom and everything are going to be a really big part of how we share resources with other professionals this year because we still we still need to network. We still need to like yeah. talk with other people. We still crave that human interaction of being able to go to SCTC and experiencing like the vendor floor and all of everything. And um, we're actually probably not going to be participating in like, except for the virtual things this year. We're definitely going to be trying to go in 2022. Um, but yeah. Uh, Google Drive is a really good idea that as far as networking and how we can share stuff, that's a really good one. Yeah, it's it's a good idea. Google Drive and Google Teams is some of the best like software I've encountered. But the biggest thing with the Google Drive is that before you could have a Google Drive and you share your Google Drive with other like Gmail accounts and have multiple people the same drive. But now that specific function is a paid function, and so we we created a a, a separate email account for myself, my fiance and some writers to have like a writing Google Drive and just gave everyone the password. But before we could just be like, here's your link to be added to the Google Drive. You can just access it and then you'll be able to see it on your own computer and we didn't have to share passwords or anything like that. It, it was just a lot simpler and it seems 
a jab in the gut for Google to make it a paid service during the middle of a pandemic, but they're doing what they got to do, I guess. I guess. Do you ever use Slack? Slack is another sharing website. I, I've heard of it, but I haven't really done that much diving into it just because Google was my go-to for everything. Right. And now that I'm not in school that much, um, I don't have to really share a lot of things with a lot of people. So, but I will look into it. I mean, I'm all for finding new and exciting ways to use technology. And to, yeah, to connect to people. I'm on a couple different Slacks and it's similar to Google Docs yeah. or Google Drive where you could put a bunch of things in one place and then add other people to it and they can put stuff there. Okay. So as long as that's free, I'm still going to use Slack. Yeah, no, for sure. I don't blame you. It, it seems how libraries are a free service that we pay our tax, we pay for with our taxes. It, it seems silly to deprive people of information sharing and the internet. We're at such a huge point, turning point in technology advancement in society that it really serves no one but the per the only people who benefit from people not having internet are people who are trying to hold power over people who don't have internet. I think that's gonna change. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And it's there's no reason why we can't just have Wi Fi everywhere. Like, come on, millionaires, give it up. Give yeah, us no. Wi Fi everywhere. We, we really do. We have the technology to make it happen. There is more than enough resources to make it happen. It's just one of those things that people are scared of having like public access Wi-Fi because there's so many security issues with it already. Usually when it is accessible, I don't know. It's, it's figure outable. I think it'll change. I think it'll evolve. Yeah. Like it's just so close. It seems yeah. like we're only like two steps away from it, but they just don't want to put in the money to make it happen. Yeah, yeah, usually a barrier. Yeah. Are you are you involved in the Women's Theater Festival? I am not. I I was really interested in trying to be involved in it. I have been keeping up with it and following it religiously. Um, like anytime I have a day off, I'm just like, okay, has anyone posted anything? What's going on? <laughs> um, but because we were originally planning on moving mm. earlier, we were originally planning on moving right around this time, like next month. And so I was just like, okay, I'm not going to get involved in it this year because I have too much life stuff going on. Of you. Yeah. 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 Sure. And then life stuff got pushed back. And so now I'm just like, okay, maybe next year, I guess. <laughs> Definitely think about it. If you're interested in directing and yeah. in experimental theater, like it sounds like it would overlap with a lot of your interests. Yeah, and, no, for sure. Like I'm really proud of them that they really are figuring out a lot of the online stuff. Like all of the Zoom theater I've watched this summer and YouTube and the, the Twitch stuff, like the Women's Theater Festival had their act together the most. Yeah, no, for sure. Because I feel like I'm probably going to get some backlash for saying this, but I feel like women in general are more likely to put their pride aside and be like, okay, this is a problem. We need to figure out how to make this work. Like every idea is a good idea on the table. We need to look at it from all sides. I feel like women are just in general a lot better at taking that moment to just put everything aside and be like, okay, wait a second. We need to make it happen. <laughs> I think that's an interesting point. And that it circles back to the point that patriarchy hurts us all. Like yes. how men are socialized, people that are socialized to be men are socialized to not ask for directions and never put their ego aside and not say that they can't figure something out. And people that are socialized to be women are socialized to think like, well, you better figure this out. <laughs> yeah. And so we do. 
Exactly. Like I, I definitely can agree with that as someone who has been socialized to be a woman that um, a lot of times more than anything, uh, I've definitely been socialized to one, never ask a man for help because he's going to, he's going to act like I don't know anything about it if I do know anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and two, women are more likely to have the answer that I'm looking for because work smarter, not harder <clears throat> is a phrase that I live religiously by. I'm 10,000% always trying to find a way to make my life easier. And to do this, yeah. Yeah, and I I feel like people who are socialized to be women definitely pick that up because we're already expected to do so many different things mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. it's just like, okay, this is another thing I gotta do. Let's go. Yeah, let's <laughs> this is another yeah. this is another hurdle I have to jump over. Let's go. Yeah, that's interesting. <sighs> All right. Well, I appreciate the time that you took to do this Zoom meeting. I appreciate you letting me record it. Um, I'm definitely going to be trying to edit it and get it up by the end of this week um, or next week, depending on when I hear back from some of the other people that I'm going to be talking to. I appreciate your point of view so much, and I appreciate you so much as an educator. Even though I am not in school anymore, like, I appreciate educators so much. You're doing an amazing job. Gosh, thank you so much for saying that. Thank you for inviting me to be a part of this. I love talking. (laughs) You want to talk again? Yeah. All right. That was my conversation with Kyla Kozojic from the LSU Theater School. I really appreciate that she took the time to have this conversation with me and talk about how we think the future of theater is going to look. I also appreciate that if you're still listening, that you made it all the way to the end. If you have any suggestions on what you'd like to hear, you can reach out to me at shirleyblog92 at gmail.com. That's S-H-I-R-L-E-Y-B-O-L-G-9-2 at gmail.com. Or you can find me on Facebook at Shirley May Arts. That's Shirley M-A-E arts. I'd love to hear what you guys are wanting to know more about or if there's anything that you want to hear me. Thanks again for listening.